Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Matthias Lang, co-head Energy Digitalization Group of Bird and Bird. Welcome, Matthias. Happy to be here, Matthias. Matthias, before we start to talk about entrepreneurship, regulatory frameworks, funding of innovation, and how legal and laws can help the energy transition, it would be great if you could give us a bit of a background about Bird and Bird and yourself. Uh, yes, uh, happy to do so. Uh, my name is Matthias, and I'm uh, a partner at Bird and Bird's uh, Energy and uh, Utility Sector Group. I'm the co-head, as you mentioned, of the Energy Digitalization Group, uh, which I actually started a couple of years ago because uh, my firm, we're about 150 lawyers in the energy sector out of the 1,300 or so that we have around the world. And we also have about 450 tech and comms lawyers. Uh, and, uh, well, I've been working in the energy area for quite a while, and I, I noted the trend uh, starting several years ago. And I, I started to get my dear partners and colleagues together and said, well, there's something happening in this area. So uh, we created the Energy Digitalization Group. My co-head, Ronald Hendricks, uh, he's actually uh, a partner in the Tech and Comms Group, started uh, and did the smart metering rollout in the, in the UK. So we said, okay, well, let's, let's see how we can develop this further, what's happening in the area and how we can combine the knowledge that we have in the firm. Because... The firm itself is really about how technology uh, is changing industries and, and there's a lot of legal work around it and, and we like to do that kind of work. It's a bit techy, I suppose, but I think there's a lot of interesting things to do and that's what we enjoy doing. Yeah, it's great to get a law firm's perspective on this. Let's start with the entrepreneurship in the energy sector. Do you see that the sector is entrepreneurial and innovative enough? to kind of respond to the climate emergency uh, we are discussing? And what kind of entrepreneurial spirit do you see within the private and public sector among energy businesses and policymakers to bring new ideas and new ways of working to life? I, I, I think there is a lot of entrepreneurship uh, and there is, is more than enough actually around. I mean, the energy industry is big. When you, when you look back historically, it has always been a, an industry that is involved in technology. It is technology, it is entrepreneurs making it work, and it's it's very much uh, sort of a mix between private initiative and public. You have certain public service elements, you have uh, the networks, you, you cannot replicate easily, so you, you always, the two have to work together. And um, we're currently seeing as part of the energy transition is that the you have different roles uh, of, of companies trying to bring new things. On the other hand, you have the state as the enabler to do that. And, and there, is, there is a lot of, of things happening on the private sector, in the public sector. Uh, and uh, is a lot of money involved in it as well and a lot of good things that need to be done. So I think, yes, there is a lot of initiative out there. It's a question of, of getting it organized in a way that it works uh, reliably, quickly, so that the energy transition will actually take its course. A transition always uh, comes also with barriers which have to be overcome. So I would be interested in your view, Matthias, how law firms can actually help to 
kind of build or dismantle these kind of barriers, uh, we need to drive the energy transition forward. And, and, and given the policy frameworks currently in place, how much of your work is spent tackling barriers or helping to influence the energy policy? I'm, I think, yes, there are barriers, I suppose, but I, I prefer to look at them as, as regulations. I mean, this is a regulated industry. The energy industry is regulated, needs to be regulated because of certain peculiarities in the industry that not everybody can just go out and you know supply power to everyone and then it works or it doesn't, it doesn't work. So we just need to make sure that it actually happens. There are certain monopolies that you have that you need regulation on and you need to identify areas where different companies can do things so it actually works towards the, the common goods. So, so these barriers or the regulations that you have, they, they can also help as guidelines to, to help companies along. So regulation often is an enabler of new technologies. When, we, when you look at renewable energy, there are state support systems in place basically everywhere around the world. They differ. Well, there are barriers when you don't really know how to work with them. They are enablers when you, when you know how to do that. So, so of course, I spend a lot of time with these rules barriers, guidelines, uh, and that, that, that's my work. But I and we think that the, the way forward is to make these things work to actually get the energy transition uh, to move. And, and I think that that's the key part. And, and very often it just involves talking to the people who are setting these rules, how they can be improved. And I think that that's one of the key parts that what we've seen is that the energy transition is moving so quickly that you cannot set a rule, a barrier, or an enabler at a time and just leave it there for 10, 20, 15 years. You just put it in there, see if it works, and then if you need to change it, you change it. So that's what we do. So we sort of, I think we, we're moving uh, the goalposts every now and again so that the ball flies into the right goal. Uh, so yes, I spend a lot of time doing that, but but I very often I don't see the barriers necessarily as barriers, but areas or guidelines that will help uh, people along. Right. In our DNVGL Energy Transition Outlook, uh, we come to that conclusion that one important driver for the energy transition is extraordinary policy changes. Where would you see these most likely to happen? Well, it's difficult to say for a lawyer where the policy changes are most likely to happen uh, because policy changes are policy changes and they are also often driven by, by democratic developments, by regional developments or by, by incidents uh, uh, like the, the Fukushima incident that changed change energy policy. So these things are difficult to, to predict. I think we've seen that with the, with the Paris Agreement, there was a, there's an alignment of, of, of interest in many countries to, to do something against climate change. There are countries that are not so excited, at least at this time, uh, because of the government uh, to, to work towards that way. And there are others who, who do it differently. I think most, most countries are aware of the fact that climate change is happening, that they need to do something about it. And there's a debate how to best do it. I, I cannot really tell you which is the most extraordinary change that is going to happen. I think a key element in energy is that you need to live with the laws of physics. So, and they, they haven't changed. As much as politics sometimes want to change it, uh, you can't change it. You need, when you, when you talk about electricity, you need to generate it at exactly the same time as you consume it. 
well, in, including if you want to store it, then you need to find a way to store it. But still, it needs to happen at the same time. So, so this is something that we need to deal with. Something with intermittent um, generation from renewables, it's a challenge. And the more renewables we have, the, the, the bigger the challenge will be. So I think uh, to some degree, we're all hoping that storage, energy storage is something that is going to be developed in a way that we can, in a commercially viable way, use it uh, very soon. I think there are some promising elements, but but then again, uh, we just need to find ways to deal with it. And I think one of the jobs of the lawyers to do that is to help people establish the rules that these things can develop in a, an inefficient way. You mentioned already differences from country to country. And Bird and Bird as a global law firm, I mean, you are used to work across different jurisdictions. Uh, with that global perspective that you have on laws and policies, how aligned are energy policies around the world? And do, do you see the need for more alignment to address the same global challenge we all have? Yeah, well, I think an important element is it's a global challenge. So, so we really need to have a global solution for it. But every global solution needs to start locally. And it is not necessary to have all local solutions aligned in, in a really straight line. And, and there is some benefit in having diversity and people trying out different things. And where you in certain regions, certain countries, you try out something, see if it works. If it works, you can take it to another country, maybe improve the, the idea and, and, and take it forward. So as long as people agree that we need to do something about CO2 emissions and actually act upon it, not only just say that they're doing something to, to reduce CO2, but implement policies that actually help doing it, that is good. Uh, there may be different ways to do that, different approaches, and, and the people may have very strong feelings about the different approaches that, that people take. But when you, when, when we, what we see is in the different countries that we have, we have often ideas, discussions moving around from one country or one region to the other, where originally in one country they say, okay, yes, we're going to start with renewables now, we're going to do wind or something, and then someone says, ah, no, we're not doing that yet, it's too expensive. And then just a couple of years later, the other country comes along and says, says you do that. So, so it doesn't necessarily have to all happen at the same time. And, and we can build on the experience in the different countries. So yes, alignment is good, but diversity is also good. So I'd also like to talk a bit about innovation. Innovation thrives on access to markets, but innovation often needs funding as well. Are we giving enough state aid to help develop and deliver new ideas and new ways of working in the energy sector? And how does current funding match up to the climate emergency we are now facing? It's one of the big debates, how much state support you actually want and how much you can leave to markets. And once you have state support, how do you change it over time? I think it's one of the, the, the key elements. I mean, Germany tried out the Renewable Energy Sources Act with feed-in tariffs. It's a fairly costly way of organizing things, but it delivered results. Now, what is the right level of support that you have? I suppose if you're a very wealthy country, you can afford to spend money on something. Uh, and then if it doesn't work well, it was just something that didn't work. And you're less well off than you may have been beforehand, but it, it doesn't doesn't create a major problem. There are other countries that cannot afford to pay for certain experiments that other countries can do. So state funding is important. It's, it's like state regulation. It's an enabler to get certain technologies off the ground. 
Uh, and as lawyers, I like to work with that sort of uh, system. Uh, when you look at different regions, there are obviously also legal restrictions, what you can do. You said you mentioned state aid when you asked the question, which is when you look at it from the European point of view, obviously a legal term and state aid needs, well, there's a strong legal framework that the European Commission supervises what member states can do. The, the, the Commission is currently in the process of reviewing the, the state aid law guidelines for energy to, to see what member states can do going forward. So again, it's an area where you have to strike the right balance. There's always someone unhappy with the amount of state support that you have. Either it's too much or it's, it's not enough. Uh, I think the, what we've seen in the energy transition that, that state support schemes can do a lot of good. But the, what's also very important in state support schemes is that you adjust them over time. Because again, as technology evolves, the cost basis changes and the state support schemes need to change. So to free up money to develop new things, you also have to reduce it in other areas. And, and I think it's a very important part that the countries are trying to get right. And, and as a firm, we we're working on many projects where we try to assist clients and governments uh, how to, to strike the right balance. Great, Matthias, I have one last question uh, for you. Uh, finally, what is Bird and Bird doing to harness the new collective focus on climate emergency to progress the energy transition? We're working on so many ends of that. I, I cannot really talk, mention them all. Uh, we are working for many clients on all sorts of different aspects on that. Uh, and there are individuals who also work in, 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 in private initiatives outside of their legal work. There are people who teach uh, courses at university to do that. Um, so there, there, there's a multitude of things. Uh, I mean, technically, as a firm, of course, we're advising governments, public entities, private entities, individuals on various aspects of, of, the, of the energy transition. And I think uh, it's, it's a very good thing to do. And I always enjoy uh, working this area and I see when, when I have new lawyers coming to join me uh, who are excited about this area who think this is an area worth working in and I, I very much agree with them. Thank you Matthias for these insights and thank you very much for listening. That was Matthias Lang, co-head Energy Digitalization Group Bird and Bird. Thank you Matthias, my great pleasure. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash